episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 7, Episode 12, Off the Wall. The original air date for this episode was December 30th, 1991. It was directed by Michael Priest, and it was written by Rick Middleman. Yeah, Middleman. Middleman's back. Uh, why don't we describe this one in brief? Uh, in this episode, MacGyver is helping uh, one family in particular, but actually probably multiple families, sure. um, who are being uh, evicted from their building uh, in a large-scale land redevelopment deal. Right. Uh, I mean, there's more to it than that. Um, that's sure. The, that's the, that's the, the quick synopsis. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this happened to you, but I had a double opening in my Netflix stream. I don't think that did happen to me. Uh, it, it, like I, I, I re reloaded it twice just to make sure it wasn't like, am I going crazy? So it does the MacGyver theme and it shows like this establishing shot of this building and it says off the wall and it moves into like a set of double doors as it's like moving into the building. Now that you mention it, I, cause the, both of the times that I put it on, I wasn't really paying attention right at the very beginning, but I yeah. did notice the audio repeating itself. Yeah. So it, it's possible that I watched the same establishing shot twice. Yeah, I, it, it's just in the opening, like, it's like maybe three seconds of footage. And it's probably just the Netflix issue. Yeah, it, I mean, it's probably sense. like a bad scan of whatever footage or however they get their footage. And so I just, it was like, uh, I, you know, it was, it was just like, it threw me off. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but um, the, a little off the wall. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Ah. Uh, I still don't know what that means. Uh, I guess because graffiti. Yeah, I think it has to do with graffiti. It's not made very clear though. Um, but uh, the building is the offices of the attorneys of Dempsey and Magruta. Right. Um, and a dark figure enters the building and starts. Uh, breaking open locks and uh, looking around through uh, documents and yeah, uh, filing cabinets. Yeah, very thoroughly inspecting this office. Yeah. <laughs> Probably more thoroughly than we need to watch. Yeah. Uh, and, and also has like a very distinct hatred of the two women, mm-hmm. Dempsey and Magruda, that run the office because he's pictures of them on the wall and just smashes them. Yeah. Uh, dated pictures of them, by the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like the, these are... Like I, I can see, the assumption is that they've been doing this a long time. In fact, one of the the picture of uh, Kathleen Freeman might have been her like IMDb profile picture. Yeah, I was gonna say these are probably just really old headshots. Yeah. Um, and uh, he digs through. He focuses on a set of filing cabinets. There's three identical filing cabinets, but he focuses only on the A through E sections of them. Right. And uh, he pulls out a giant folder full of documents and one particular giant binder full of photographs. And he right. just he just takes the whole the whole thing and leaves. Um, and then the next day, uh, a local graffiti artist named Lobo uh, right. is spray painting a uh, message about the recent uh, evictions and uh, gets immediately arrested by the police. Right. He's he is spray painting in broad daylight and uh, doesn't have any kind of a lookout in place right. to prevent being arrested. And doesn't even seem to care when he hears a car pull up behind him. And even when the police start talking to him, he doesn't yeah. seem like he's like, oh, no, I'm in trouble again. He was just like, oh, let me guess. You guys are on your way to a big crack bust and you don't have time to talk? <laughs> yeah, it was kind of weird, but I did like the way they shot it, where it was like 
like between pe- their arms. Yeah, so you see him against the wall. It yeah. was like it was like Peanuts style where you 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 just you just see him and you can't tell what the figures yeah. are. Or the, He's just adults. a kid in trouble. That's yeah. All. Did you think it's weird at all that they introduce in the in the same season another character? whose name rhymes with Oboe, who is, is a, a spray-painting character. Yeah, who, and who... Is it, allowed to spray-paint in MacGyver's house. And, yeah, who who not only has been, like, frequently arrested and is on, like, probation for spray-painting as long as he spray-paints on non-public property. I mean, I'm guessing Sean Wayans was doing something this week, and... Yeah. But this was supposed to be a robo-story. Oh, I'm sure it was supposed to be. And then they rewrote it, and they were like, well, what are we going to change the name to? And they're like, well, let's change it to Lobo. Yeah. We already got Richard Coca, so... Yeah. So um, it'll just be... He'll he'll be Lobo. That makes sense, right? And then that was it. Um, I don't know how much... uh, If you looked up Richard Coca a little bit... um, I saw a little bit, yeah. uh, He was one of the characters on a show that started in 1986 called Sanchez of Bel-Air. I don't know that one. Yeah, it, uh, I don't know the show either, but I was like, oh, is it like a Latino Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? And yes, it is, but it occurred like five years prior. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, so it's basically a um, East L.A. you know Latino family who the father makes it big and he decides to take you know use their newfound wealth to move the family to Bel-Air and the hijinks of an East L.A. family living in Bel-Air amongst the posh, you know... Uh, residents thereof so instead of just being the one the one kid coming and yeah. stirring things up it's a whole family yeah 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 okay um and yeah and so it occurred uh, like years before fresh prince uh but i thought it was like thought it was a very unusual uh yeah like correlation um and it yeah and so he would that's like that was like one of the big things that he was in yeah, it seems like lately he has like a thing every like three to five years. Yeah. So MacGyver is with Lobo as he's walking out of the police station. He paid his bail, um, and uh, yeah, that's where they mentioned that he violated his probation by and that MacGyver advised him to keep his painting indoors at at MacGyver's garage. But, yeah. Uh, this kid decided that this wasn't art; that this was a message that he was trying to send to someone. And uh, uh, basically, it's it's about his grandmother, specifically, who is being evicted, and it's too. And MacGyver just tells him, "Well, it's too late because they evicted her already." Yeah. And uh, he said, "What was I supposed to do? Just let him evict her?" And he's like, "Well, he did it anyway. As soon as they arrested you." Yeah. So MacGyver rented a or borrowed a pickup truck, and right. uh, they're on their way to go help pick up her stuff. Even though he has a pickup truck. Does he? Oh well, he's Harry's, right? Yeah. Uh, Unless well, he lost it in the houseboat fire. Yeah, I, I, I assume that the pickup truck and the Nomad have gone the way of the houseboat fire and in yeah. lieu of the Jeep and motorcycle. From when he committed arson and, <laughs> yeah. fraud, and insurance fraud. <laughs> <laughs> this is so great. I got so much money. I can retire. Um, I that's, mean, like, that's the undertone of like, wow, MacGyver, you sure salvaged a lot of stuff from that fire. Suspicious how little of your things were yeah. were in your home when it burned down. How did you get your cars into your houseboat again? <laughs> uh, we cut now to a barber shop, where I'm not sure what's going on here, but I, it looks like Victor Cassanti, the character of Victor Cassanti, is being paid protection money by a barber yeah, shop. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. 
Um, either that or it's rent. I can't really tell. Because yeah. at first, when I when I, when, the, when they first show this guy and he's getting an envelope of money from a barbershop outside, he's like, oh, well, he's like a mob guy and he's getting paid protection. Yeah. But but then as we come to know, he is actually the landlord of all the buildings in the area. Yeah. So I was like, oh, so wait, was that protection Maybe money? Maybe he's just co- collecting rent. rent. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he kind of looks like um, an adult-sized Chris Kattan. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I partially recognize him from Monk. Uh, right. He, he played uh, Dr. Kroger, who is Monk's like, psychologist that he's always visiting. Yeah. Uh, but I guess he passed away, and then his death was actually written into the show. Yeah. A lot of weird things happened on that show, because um, on Monk, like his assistant, the, the the actress who played his assistant, like there was like a some kind of dispute with her contract, and she left the show, and that's when they introduced a new character to be his assistant. Like, and it was just it just happened. It's just yeah. like new character here. It is. Yeah. No explanation. Wasn't it the girl from Dirty Work originally, or um, did she come in as the replacement? Uh. The girl she, who replaced her uh, was was taller and skinnier. Um, the original girl was like was very like um, I can't remember her actress's name, but she was very much like uh, Marissa Tomei and My Cousin Vinny. That okay. That that kind of like accent and that kind of lady. Um, but uh, the new lady was just like a just some LA woman with a child. It was weird. Like they they both had like children in school. It's like they were just trying to. Easy. They didn't want to throw out all the scripts that they'd already written for Ex- this uh, exactly. character. Yeah. It, but it wasn't like a Darren Stevens situation where where they just didn't call attention to it. And it's just like, wait, that's not Dick York anymore. Who's this guy? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so Cassanti walks over to uh, a limousine where uh, Andrew Lawton is waiting and uh, wants news about if everyone's left the building so he can get to work demolishing and uh, Andrew Lawton is a uh, frequent, uh, become a frequent person in both uh, appearing and writing, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, John Constan- Considine. Considine, who yeah. uh, most recently we had as a writer for the uh, for our Goodnight MacGyver two-parter, uh, which I actually wanted to bring up a point. We we had a suspicion that. The other Considine from that episode who played the balladeer could possibly have been his brother. Yeah. But uh, according to the... Um, oh, there was a comment on our Facebook page from uh, Mark Hagen who huh. said that um, in an interview with John Considine that he had said uh, uh, that it was his son. Who oh, okay. Was, who's, his interest in like the medieval stuff and, and Renfair stuff kind of inspired the episode in part, but also he invited him to play that character on the show. But also, um, I guess in the same interview, he mentioned that he would have liked for it to have been a three-parter. Oh, geez. Which I hope he had a a lot of other set pieces to jam in if he was going to try and make it a three-parter. But um, Although, and in my response, I made the point that, to be fair, it was probably the most entertaining episode this season, (laughs) (laughs) even though it was pretty slow. Uh, I don't know. I like... uh... I'm actually more for uh, t- next week's tomorrow's episode. Oh, okay. As sure. most exciting. That's fair. Uh, but uh, yeah, so John Constantine, um, who also though played uh, villains in There But for the Grace and uh, Logjam. 
I actually think it would have been fun if this was the same guy from there for the grace. Yeah, I almost thought it was because because my, he's like a real estate developer who's trying to like yeah devalue a property so that he can do his own development. And MacGyver recognizes his name when, when yeah. later on when it's mentioned. He's like, wait a minute, Lawton. And I was like, oh, is that the same guy? Because yeah. there's no, there's literally no physical change in yeah. in his his appearance. Um, uh. Casanti, though, assures Lawton that everything's fine, and he gestures, he basically just points, points over across the way where Gloria Diaz is being evicted by the police. Um, Gloria Diaz, uh, played by Betty Carvalho, Carvalho. Yeah. Um, who, who the biggest thing I saw was in The Three Amigos. Right. Um, was, I was She's like, Mama Sanchez. Yeah, I was like, okay, yeah, The Three Amigos. Yeah. That's good. But she also is Paulina in Die Hard. Yeah, which I mean, yeah, she she has like two two quick scenes yeah. uh, in that She's movie. She's one of the hostages in the building, right? Um, I think she is uh, Holly Gennaro's uh, uh, housekeeper, like nanny. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I can't remember. I believe so. And then I guess she also played Nurse Patsy in Halloween Five. Mm. Was the only other like major credit. Which I have not seen anything, any Halloween beyond Halloween 1 and H2O. I've only ever seen the Rob Zombie Halloweens. Wow. We're both yeah. pretty pathetic in that yeah. respect. Well, that franchise always seemed boring compared to the Friday the 13th and the, and the Nightmare, Nightmare on, Elm Street. on Elm Street. Just a guy with a knife. Yeah. He's not like a zombie guy with a knife or. Wait, crazy. are you talking about Jason Voorhees or. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mike Myers. Uh, I wonder, like, I always wonder about the actor, you know, Mike Myers, like, the, that, that... How that affected him, that there was a serial killer in a movie that had the same name as him? Yeah, exactly. Or, like, because he must have been born before the first Halloween yeah, yeah. came out. So it wasn't like his parents, It was like, a coincidence. Yeah. Like Michael Bolton in Office Space. Yeah. <laughs> Why should I change? He's the one who murders people. <laughs> you can just call me. You can just call me Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I love how infuriated they get at that concept. <laughs> I sort of like them all. That's a riot. I'm the exact same way. <laughs> oh man, that movie. Uh, so. Uh, Lobo and MacGyver arrive with the truck, and they start uh, loading up uh, the stuff. And Lawton is is basically very happy that you know he's got a two hundred million dollar investment in all this property, and uh, he doesn't want anything holding holding it up, even if it's a little old lady. So right away, we're we're, we're not liking this guy. So Lawton uh, is very pleased that Diaz is being evicted. She he does yeah. not want anything holding it up that his uh, two hundred million dollar investment in all these properties. Um, so right away we're not liking this guy because yeah, him and the landlord are just standing there watching her carry her stuff out of her apartment, yeah. just smiling about all the money they're going to make. <laughs> yeah. As they wring their hands menacingly. You ever see the movie The Super with uh, Joe yeah. Oh yeah, I mean it's been a long time, but yeah, that's a great movie. <laughs> that reminds me a lot of this story though. Yeah, yeah. It's like the developer is trying to he's trying to screw all these people out of the apartment by putting his incompetent son in charge of maintaining it. Yeah. But then his son realizes what his dad's doing and just tries to fix everything despite him. Um, uh, or, or even uh, maybe a battery's not included. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Where uh, the landlord is trying to use, like, scare tactics and violence to get people out. But yeah, they there's a lot of these urban renewal type yeah. plots around the same time period. No, I haven't watched Better Not Included in a long time. It's written by Brad Bird, I think. Is it? Yeah. I know it was produced by Spielberg. Um, it's good. Yeah. It holds up. And the little stop motion effects for the alien robots are great. Yeah. And the designs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so while they're being uh, evicted, uh, Gloria Diaz's attorneys, Helen Dempsey and Rose Magruta, who the attorney of the law is, were recently broken into, arrive right. to, to try to bring her comfort, um, but also to apologize, you know, that they had evidence stolen from their offices. Uh, and, uh, you know, there was really nothing that they could do without that evidence. They couldn't, they had nothing to stand on. Yeah. Uh, which is why you always back up your documents. Right. Um, uh, Helen um, and oh. Rose Magruder here is played by Kathleen Freeman. Yeah. Who, um, I instantly recognized um, of the two of these women. She was the one who I was like immediately like I know this lady from something. Mm -hmm. And when I went through it, I'm I have to assume that that the the role that I recognize her from is Microwave Marge in Gremlins Two. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that it has to be that because there's so many credits that, that it was taking me a while to get through and I couldn't mm -hmm. find anything that jumped out at me more than like I definitely remember her as this character and yeah. they put all the stuff in the microwave to blow up the yeah. the gremlins. Well, because her, her hair matches, the, the, her hair in this episode matches her hair in that. Yeah. Because um, a lot of times when I've, see, when I've seen her, she usually has more straight hair. Okay. Um, or you can't see it. Like my most notable role that I have is as the penguin. In Blues oh, Brothers. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and Sister Mary Stigmata. Yeah. <laughs> God. Um, but, of course, she's also a very famous voice actress. Um, yeah. Because she, she has that just, I mean, you can't reproduce a voice like that. Yeah, she um, was actually the voice of um, Mrs. Crackshell mm -hmm. on DuckTales. Um, she does the voice of, like, the old lady in... Shrek, which yeah. is like the woman the, that's trying to sell Donkey mm -hmm. yeah, at the yeah, very yeah. beginning. Um, I'm the talkingest damn thing you ever saw. <laughs> but uh, uh, she was yeah. um, she had a really funny part in uh, Naked Gun 33 and a Third, where she she's oh, Fred yeah, yeah, yeah. she's Fred Ward's mother. Yeah, but they 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 secure her uh, by by having her arms in the rolled up windows and her head stuck in the sunroof <laughs> <laughs> and in the I can't remember the actresses uh, who plays the female lead in those. Uh, she's all... Isn't it Presley? Yeah, um, yeah. And she's all, don't you think that's a little conspicuous? He's like, no, no, it's happened to me a number of times. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one more, one more role, uh, because it's, just, it's, it's such a great line. I use it all the time. <laughs> in um, the um, JTT movie, uh, I'll Be Home for Christmas. Uh, okay. JTT, uh, of course, Jonathan Taylor Jonathan Thomas. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. For uh, people who uh, have been alive <laughs> uh, for only 15 years since he disappeared in a puff of smoke one day. Um, he gets in this car full of old ladies, and I can't remember why he's really violently ill, but he grabs one of their purses and throws up in it, and Kathleen Freeman goes, ah, oh, Santa, because he's dressed as Santa, yeah. and he's like, Santa just yammied in your purse. <laughs> you use that line a lot? Yeah. 
you'd be surprised how often that line comes in handy. Oh, so many situations. Especially... She's also apparently the voice of Peg's mom on Married with Children, but you only ever hear her over the phone. Oh. Uh, or off because, camera. <laughs> she's... Because she's got that grating voice. That's I mean, a... you can you can just have her yell. Yeah. I know we're talking a lot about Kathleen Freeman, but I loved her. Yeah, she's great. She's great, though. Yeah. Um, she's also in a, in uh, Inner Space, so that's a couple Joe Dante movies. Yeah, yeah. And may, uh, maybe more. I didn't actually double check that but um she she in inner space she plays the uh, angry customer yeah yeah um who pulls a gun that's actually a cigarette lighter <laughs> so uh, it's like the opposite of the man with the golden gun yeah uh so uh macgyver says what if i was able to get that evidence back for you the evidence that was stolen and uh, like well then we'd go right back to court yeah but even though the judge already threw it out yeah exactly the judge like it wasn't like like delayed due to lack of evidence it was yeah it didn't go to a decision from a jury so it's not like you're you can appeal it it was thrown out of court because you didn't have any evidence but right. i guess if you suddenly new evidence came up you could make a new case for it yeah but but macgyver's plan i thought was to find out who stole it and retrieve it yeah but instead he says i'll he just, just go wants to recreate it yeah it's like well they could have done that they acted yeah. like they they never they would have never thought of it yeah it's like what if I were to get the evidence back by taking new photos? Oh, wow. I never considered that option yeah. of, of taking additional photos. Or yeah, how about, I even brought a camera with me today, but I wasn't going to do it, do that with it. I yeah. was going to go take pictures of my, my nephew, um, my grandson. Yeah. Um, or what, like, were there no negatives? Did they keep all the negatives in that file, too? Ah, this so frustrating. This, yeah. is, this is back in the day of negatives. I yeah. always kept the negatives. Um, uh, I try to look at the positives. Yeah. It's <laughs> the difference between you and me. <laughs> um, you know, working in a, in film as we do, you know, talking about the, the like, the inter-negatives and the inter-positives <laughs> of prints and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. It's like, oh, God, I, 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 like, learning all that stuff is, like, it's, it's strange. <laughs> um, so, uh Lobo and MacGyver head up to their grandmother's, uh, his grandmother's apartment, um, right. which I feel though that they could have gone into any apartment. Um, yeah. Like they, they don't have a legal right to be anywhere at this point. So what I thought was going to happen was that they were going to have fixed some of the problems with her with just Gloria Diaz's apartment. So oh. when they, <laughs> so when they tried to go back, it's like oh, uh, but the whole building is obviously in bad shape. It's not just her apartment. They could yeah. go to any apartment and make their case. That would be funny, though, if they went inside and, like, all of her fixtures are, like, gold-plated and <laughs> there's, like, gold flecks in the water. Yeah, it's like, ah oh, man. They beat us once again. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Lobo takes MacGyver up to his apartment and uh, they kind of have a heart-to-heart -heart a little bit about uh, Lobo's mom dying when he was young. And yeah. that he never knew his father outside of a name on a wall, which he then reveals is the Vietnam Memorial Wall. Which still, I mean, he seems kind of young to have been the son of a Vietnam veteran. I mean, it's possible. I mean, he, if, he, if he's 16, that means... If he's 16, he's too young. He's too young? Right? Because this is 1991, so 16 years earlier was not was after the yeah, Vietnam War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because my, my brother was born in 76, and that was after, well after my dad came back from Vietnam. Yeah. So, yeah. So he's got to be like 
like 20, early 20s yeah early 22. to mid 20s yeah he doesn't so look it he, he just no he looks like a kid yeah so but um assuming this is a full-grown adult then it's possible that his dad was in vietnam but maybe he... i couldn't find a birthday for for the actor oh yeah uh maybe they froze his uh froze his stuff <laughs> yeah were they doing that in the uh in the uh, late 60s early 70s i don't know i doubt it yeah uh so macgyver starts uh taking pictures of some of the area and when he tries to turn on a light switch for better lighting the the light switch just ends up exploding sparks out of it yeah so again we're we're very clearly getting a, a taste of how bad this building is yeah um uh stroud Cassanti's thug calls it in and says that uh macgyver and lobo are snooping around the building so right Cassanti himself goes inside and uh he tells macgyver and lobo that you're trespassing and you need to leave or else he's gonna call the cops uh and MacGyver's, and MacGyver's just like being yeah. very cavalier about his yeah breaking the law here. He's like, oh, okay, yeah, you go ahead and call the cops. We're we'll probably be about done by then. Yeah, We're um, not quite finished. So if you want to call the police, please do that. Yeah, that'll that'll distract you long enough for us to finish. Yeah, uh, but instead of calling the police, uh, Stroud gets uh, Cassandra gets Stroud and a couple of other goons to uh, take care of him. Yeah, he decides to fight an illegal action with an illegal action. Yeah, and so, uh, of course, it's one of those self-defense scenarios. Right, but I like, wonder oh. how well within their rights they are to beat these guys up because they are in the building un, like, unlawfully. unlawfully. They weren't yeah. invited. Yeah, and they're, they're trespassing. They're refusing, they're refusing to leave. To leave. Although I feel Mag- like they might actually be okay beating these people up. Although MacGyver does offer to leave peacefully, and the guy says it's too late for that. Yeah. Um, so MacGyver just pushes one of them, I think it's Stroud, backwards into the other two, which causes them all to like stumble backwards down the stairs a little bit. Yeah. And uh, MacGyver and Lobo make a run for the roof. Um, and Lobo says there's a fire escape, but it's it's too far away. So MacGyver tries to like throw some, uh, uh, it's like an uh, antenna, like uh, aerial antennas that were like uh, piled up on the roof. He throws them into the stairwell, but yeah. it does nothing to slow them down. Yeah, absolutely. It, it would have been better had he just waited and clobbered them with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, or waited until they were standing there to throw it into the stairwell. Yeah. And just, like, impale them with an aerial. <laughs> How's your reception? <laughs> that, that's going to be, like, my kill line. <laughs> have you ever seen those videos of, like, uh, I don't even know the physics behind this, but it would be, like, a power line, and someone would be standing where, it, where the base of it goes into the ground, Okay. And they touch it with a stick, and you can hear the radio playing out of, like, the end of the stick because it's, like, the right frequency of electricity. Oh, I've, I've never seen that, no. I, I need to find the video and show it to you. If I, if I can find one, I'll put, it on the, uh, I'll put it on the show notes. And maybe it's, like, one of those things where it's just, like, somebody totally faked it for yeah, a YouTube video. Yeah, that's kind of weird. And I fell for it. But it seemed like it's at least possible to me for some reason. But, well, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's all those old things that uh, people who have braces pick up. Uh, can pick up radio stations. Radio, radio stations. But this was like literally playing out loud, like audibly, just from him touching a stick to a power uh, line. Without some kind of speaker, I, I, I don't know. It, it, it seems really unlikely. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I, I don't want to say outright no. Yeah. Because. Um, That's the same lack of confidence in my physics. Uh, knowledge that led me to believe what I saw in this video. 
Yeah. It's, 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 I'm reminded of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia when Charlie says he's going to go outside and burn garbage. He's like, it's like, you can't go outside. And he was like, it's like, oh, well, I'll just go outside and I'll burn this garbage so the garbage ashes can go up into the sky and become stars. It's like, I don't know enough about how stars work to, to dispute you, but that doesn't seem right to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's such a great show. Yeah. Uh, so without the fire escape uh, being close by, because there's like these weird little uh, notches cut in the building for ventilation, uh, they're immediately kind of like descended upon. They got no, nowhere to go except they'd have to jump over this wall, the, the gap from the building to the other building. Right. And that's exactly what they do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they, they jump from, uh, it, it's one solid building. I mean, but like I said, like there are like these notches cut in so the apartments have multiple windows inside, but your window yeah. just faces the other building's windows, you know? Right. It's those, those like sitcom office buildings that you always see where in Friends where they're looking out directly at another sheet of windows. Yeah. Um, so MacGyver and Lobo are taking the shortcut by jumping over each gap, but Stroud and his guys aren't as daring. So they're, yeah. they're forced to go around, which gives, uh, Lobo and MacGyver like a head, you know, some time to get down a fire escape, which yeah. given the state of the rest of this building, I would not feel comfortable climbing on this fire escape. Yeah. And they make it even less safe Yeah, when they exit because at the bottom of this fire escape, MacGyver grabs, like, a perfectly shaped pipe from the alleyway and uses it to block the ladder so that mm -hmm. you can't even disengage it from the stairs yeah. and lower it to the ground. Yeah, because uh, once, once they drop down, he lifts it back up with the counterweight, and, yeah, just, he just jams it in. And so they're able to run while Stroud and his guys are trying to unjam, uh, unjam or lammy the, uh, the ladder. Yeah, and now that they know that this building is a terrible fire hazard, that if... If Miss Diaz wasn't the last one out, then that means that everyone else there is just caught in a death trap because MacGyver has shut down their only their only attempt at an exit. Yeah, they're only they they have to go back up and come back down the stairs. Yeah, uh, and that's why that's why MacGyver and Lobo should have just turned around and set the building on fire right here because they're like, ha ha, foiled by your hoisted by your own batard. <laughs> oh, I think that expression doesn't get used enough. Yeah. I'm going to start using it every day until uh, someone kills me for it and I'm hoisted it, by my own batard. <laughs> now I know what it feels like to be hoisted. <laughs> <laughs> MacGyver uh, and Lobo take the evidence back to Helen and Rose um, and uh, they let uh, MacGyver know that Cassante has been selling the property to Andrew Lawton. And this right. is where like the episode starts to go like full law and order. Like, Every time they get back to headquarters, they get a new piece of information and go out to talk to the next witness or the next yeah. person in, in the chain of evidence yeah. um, as the story unfolds. So Mac and Lobo as like their like uh, Ice-T and um, who's the other guy? Not Jerry Orbach. Mariska Hargitay. <laughs> Mariska Hargitay. <laughs> Chris Maloney. Um, well, they head out to um, uh, talk to Andrew Lawton, yeah. who... MacGyver uses his uh, Phoenix credentials almost like a police badge right. because Lawton doesn't want to talk to anybody, but when he finds out that the Phoenix Foundation wants to come talk to him, he's more than willing to, to open up his schedule. Which is the same kind of reception they got when they went to go talk to Bartlett about Bartlett City. 
is that yeah. for some reason he was actually really cooperative with them. And that was the first clue that maybe this guy wasn't the bad guy in that episode. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what's going on here, too, is when MacGyver comes to see him. Um, well, first of all, we learn that the uh, Lawton Company built the Phoenix Foundation. Yeah, it seems like Lawton uh, is talking about the cube building that right. we've seen a, a few times, the exterior of it. Mm-hmm. But um, And he talks about how specifically it was a very environmentally friendly building, and it had like a low carbon footprint yeah. and a low literal footprint because it's just this tiny little square at the base. Right, of it. right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he, he thought he was going to get more work out of the Phoenix Foundation when MacGyver shows up, and then MacGyver explains why he's there. Yeah, he's, he's only there to... Uh, not to accuse Lawton. He, that's a very, very important fact. He's not there to accuse Lawton, but he is. Right. He does want to make Lawton aware that the landlords and the people that he's buying the buildings from are using abusive tactics to get people out so that they can be sold to him. But Lawton, and then we learn Lawton's angle that yeah, yeah, he doesn't really care that they're using these tactics as long as everything's within the boundaries of the law. Exactly, and that was the same thing with Wasteland. Like, the guy's like, look, every, I've done everything legally. I filed all the correct paperwork. I've done everything. I'm not in charge. I don't own the buildings yet. So how, yeah. the, how the building owners treat the, their people is up to them, not to me. Yeah. Um, but Mac- MacGyver's trying to plead with his conscience. Um, but uh, when he, he's obviously not getting through, MacGyver says, well, then I'm going to fight it and try to hold up your project as long as it takes. And, yeah. and so that's when he leaves, and Lawton immediately gets on the phone and asks for a meeting with Cassanti. So back at the attorney's office, uh, Helen and Rose have a new set of evidence that they have uh, the inspection papers that were done on four different buildings that were owned by Cassanti, um, all right. of which say that the buildings are fine. So yeah. Mac and Lobo uh, decide to head over to the uh, Department of Building and Safety and... Uh, and uh, so again, like, the, like this is like the, they come back to the headquarters, get the new thing, and like, like Department of Building and Safety. Yeah. Um, Just so, cut right to them arriving at the facility. Yeah. Um, and I really like their first encounter with the clerk, who who is like at their ass. Like, Do you know anything about this inspector? We would like to speak with this uh, inspector, so and so. Yeah, so would I. He took my favorite stapler. Um, she, he, they, they list off the, uh, four different, uh, inspectors and she's like fired, fired, left to pursue another career, retired. Yeah. Uh, and then when MacGyver asks, you, you don't happen to know when they, they left. She's like, and she just lifts off, lists off all the dates, the exact day yeah. of each one. Yeah. She has them all memorized. Yeah. So, uh, at this point, like they, they realize that there's really nothing they can do, and Lobo, <laughs> Lobo says, "Well, it was fun looking for a parking space." Yeah, he's actually really funny in this episode. He they, yeah. they wrote him well. Uh, he's got a lot of good lines. Yeah, if the show had stuck around, he definitely would have continued as a, one of MacGyver's regular sidekicks. Uh, meanwhile, this whole conversation is being overheard by Clinton Ferris, the uh, department head. And right. he introduces himself and asks if he can help them in any way, and they go into his office. Yeah. Um, and when he first walks up, though, he asks, uh, oh, uh, can I help you, gentlemen? Is there something, uh, what seems to be the problem? And then uh, Lobo's just like, well, we're just a couple of confused dudes. Yeah. But then uh, Clinton Ferris here is played by Kent Williams, who um, I guess he played Cabot in War Games. 
Yeah, I, I don't know who that is. I mean, uh, yeah. it, there are so many characters, but uh, if wh- whoever he was, it wasn't anyone that stood out to me. Right. And then uh, we also had brought up uh, this, this actor's name earlier on the show because um, when we were covering The Gauntlet, we described the, uh, we mentioned the fact that uh, Robin Curtis was married to him mm. um, at one point. So he was actually married to uh, MacGyver's uh, two-time love interest yeah. uh, who showed up in uh, The Gauntlet, uh, season one, episode four, The Gauntlet, and season two, episode Friends. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it turns out that before he was married to Robin Curtis, he was actually married to Robin Pearson Rose, who played MacGyver's landlord in season yeah. one, uh, just for two episodes. I think it was 13 and 14 for Flames End and Countdown. But... Um, so that's that's funny that he was married to two women named Robin who have each been in two episodes of MacGyver. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. And now he's on the show. Yeah. And now he gets to be on the show himself so he can rub it in their faces. Yeah. And pay them all the money he owes them. Mm-hmm. Actually, he no. might still be married to Robin Curtis. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Ferris takes a look at their uh, inspection paperwork and uh, they, they tell him about the situation that they're in with like, you know, people are being evicted and Ferris immediately looks at the documents and says, well, I can tell you that right now that these are all forgeries. Uh, yeah. he, since he came into the department, he's been trying to weed out some of these bad eggs of people who basically like take bribes or do whatever it takes. And, um, the, the, the tricky part is that because these inspectors are no longer working for the department, they can't be held responsible for past actions. Which yeah. seems kind of weird. Like, yeah. you know, if you, if, if you commit a crime, just because you quit your job that you were doing at the time doesn't mean you're absolved of those crimes. Well, it's the implication that they committed that crime while they were working at that office or that they did it after they left. Because um, doesn't he say that the dates don't add up? That he said that right. the people sign these documents after they left the company? Right, but the company policy is that that building inspectors can't be held responsible for their past actions. So even if no one was able to reveal these as forgeries, and they were saying, "Hey, did you sign off on this building?" Even if they 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 were accused of it, it wouldn't matter because no 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 cr- charges could be brought up on them. Oh, okay. I th- I think that's kind of the point, but yeah. But also, yeah, they they also are saying that that some current inspector is responsible for these documents. Right. So uh, Clinton Ferris says he will look into it and he'll get back to him with whatever he's able to find. Uh, and this is the first time that Lobo is excited because the whole time he's been very pessimistic about MacGyver making any progress. But here right. he feels like they've, they've finally struck on something that might work out for them. So back at uh, the attorneys, Helen Rose, uh, yep. MacGyver's is trying. He's actually accessing the Phoenix like uh, online database about some of the inspectors. But uh, he's not able to find any information on them uh, other than, like, that they have no criminal records. So Rose comes in with some new information on Cassanti and his building ownerships that he actually has a silent partner. Uh, Right. And so, okay, so there's someone else involved in this whole thing. So they're like, ah, Pinky Burnett. We can go talk to him. He's a silent partner. (laughs) He had a silent partner in his silent films. Uh (laughs) But uh, just then, Cassanti himself calls. Yeah. In fact, not only is he calling, but he's calling to basically come clean Make some and talk. Kind of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. He says, "Look, I want this whole thing to be over. I want to talk to you alone. 
meet me at the abandoned building. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you're going to be really happy. But he also, he doesn't say the usual, uh, don't bring the police with you. Yeah. Which it's like, okay, then MacGyver should have brought at least a detective with him. Like he has friends at the police department. Yeah. Yeah. Where's, uh, where's Rome? Lieutenant Rome. Yeah. Get Lieutenant uh, Rome out here. Or Rudley. Or Rudley. Sergeant Rudley. Yeah. Uh, if Max got friends in the force, um, yeah. e- even if he called, uh, what's her face from, uh, uh, the evil, the, the uh, what's her name with, uh, Dr. Zito. Oh yeah. Um, Kate, what is her name? I want to say Ooh. it is Kate something. Yeah. Lafferty, Kate Lafferty. No, Kate Lafferty is the ugly duckling. Oh, <laughs> call her. Uh, it's, have her hack this place. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. All these names are just, like, lost in my brain now. Yeah. Uh, so MacGyver and Lobo head over, and uh, they're, uh, they're treading lightly, and Lobo starts to say, like, I didn't realize how creepy this building was. Yeah. And just then, like, a flock of pigeons just, like, flutters up in front of their face, and they both, like, kind of, like, scream. Yeah, um, I was gonna say it's a it's a John Woo directed moment, but then yeah. they're pigeons, not doves, so it's like the the second well, rate John Woo. Yeah, exactly. I mean, doves are the pigeons' handsome cousin. Yes. So they hear sounds of a struggle and a scream, and when they try to make their way to it, they find Victor Casanti dead with a yeah, pipe and over like his smashed face, smashed by a pipe. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's it, pretty brutal. It would have been funny if it was the same pipe that MacGyver used to jam the fire escape shut, so they could point to the fingerprints on it. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> uh, who has the biggest motive to kill Cassanti? Yeah. Uh, in this meeting, and where already got they already got a call for, for to the police about how he wouldn't leave the building earlier. Right. And and then he came back and murdered the guy the next day. It, and yeah, because they're talking to the detectives afterwards. It's like. So you found the body alone of the man that you've been trying to get arrested, who you hate because he got your grandmother evicted, and who who you've been threatening, basically, and been trespassing. This all seems really suspicious for you, MacGyver. Yeah, there's too many times on this show that he, he's really severely implicating himself, and it just gets, like, washed away because somehow the police understand that MacGyver is... Uh, infallible and that yeah there's no way he did it this is macgyver oh oh, oh god i'm, I'm so, so sorry. sorry please forgive me <laughs> so lobo is now like convinced that lawton must be the one who have killed cassanti because they were getting too close right and uh when macgyver says like well we don't know that for sure we don't have the evidence and yeah. lobo but lobo is also like convinced that there's no possible connection now they've lost all the they've lost the trail and now uh, they'll never be able to get this done legally. Yeah, and around and so the he, same he time, just, Magruda and, uh, and what's her name Dempsey. show up? Yeah, Dempsey. Dempsey, yeah. Yeah, um, they, they try to convince him to stay on the case, but he, he, he walks away. Um, and then again, we get another law and, or, law and order moment when they both, the, even the attorneys are going, he might be right, there might be no legal way to fight this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that night... MacGyver decides to once again illegally break into an office to gather evidence yeah. that cannot be used in court because yep. you obtained it illegally. Yeah. 
he breaks into Victor Cassanti's offices, the offices that he runs his businesses out of. And yeah. we can assume that he's got other businesses, not just like he, he's in real estate. So he's probably got other buildings that aren't being torn down that he's that, he, that are still legit. Yeah. So it's not like all of his stuff is op- open for grabs just because he's dead. Yeah. Um, he looks he looks through a bunch of like uh, files and he finds the uh, the I guess payments to who uh, whoever the silent partner is like right. or like check stubs. There, there's some kind of connection. He, they're, they're checks, but I can't tell if they were checks it's written like to him or checks. Yeah. Exactly. So he sneaks out, but uh, Stroud's goons had followed him, and they saw him go in, and they call it in that they, MacGyver left, but they don't know what he took. Right. And one of these, one of these two goons is credited as Wilkins. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and the actor's name is Michael Francis Kelly, who we actually had earlier on, uh, he was in The Heist. I, I think in The Heist he was just a part of Catlin's security for the casino. The one who let the bird out? Which one of you <laughs> let the bird out? Ah. Oh. And then uh, in the eraser, he was one of the guys playing hockey at the beginning of the episode before uh, Pete comes and recruits MacGyver on that mission. And then in Twice Stung, he's, I think, just a cop walking around the police station grounds when uh, he sees the car parked with their getaway driver reading the newspaper. And oh, he's like, Kelly? Hey, you, what's, uh, who, won the, who won the match last night? <laughs> who won the yeah, sports that, that's match? Right, it was Kelly. I couldn't remember who it was in the car, but you're right. It was totally Kelly. Yeah, and he's like sweating bullets. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, oh no, oh god, they're talking to me. Uh, and he, and you know what's funny is the moment MacGyver broke into this building, had Stroud called the police, every yeah. all of their problems would have been solved. Yeah, MacGyver would have like, gone to this jail. Guy's, this guy killed the the what's his name, the Casanti. Casanti. Yeah, and then tried to cover up the evidence. Yeah. He broke into this building. To try and plant these checks. Yeah, everything would have been solved. The, yeah. the whole case would have been, everything would have gone completely as planned. Yeah. Um, although, I guess um, I didn't really even think about it until now, though, uh, because if uh, Cassanti's dead, who is Stroud working for? Hmm. Hmm. Makes you think. Perhaps the silent partner. No, no, that's not possible. So it must be someone else. Yep, must someone else completely a red herring. <laughs> He's working for the red herring. <laughs> yes. yes. I don't want to have a, a comic book universe with a villain named the red herring who never I guarantee does anything. You there already is a character <laughs> called that. He, his superpower is implicating himself in murders. <laughs> This is clearly the work of the red herring. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. We've made that mistake a couple times before, and he's he's actually a pretty legit guy. <laughs> he's always he's always helping out at the soup kitchen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's like the lowest level if super that, it, villain. He's just really creepy, yeah. but he's super nice. Oh my god! If that's not really a thing, anyone who's listening to this, this is copyright copyright and. Uh, 2016 MacGyver yeah. podcast. We're going to pitch this to Nickelodeon <laughs> as an animated series soon. Yeah. The, the trials of the red herring. Yeah. Where he just keeps getting arrested for no reason. Yeah. The many defense uh, cases of the red herring. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I love everything about this. 
<laughs> uh, MacGyver takes the checks um, over to a another completely new character, um, but uh, is a similar situation, I guess, to Lobo, where he is an ex ex criminal who MacGyver has gotten a legit job or is working a legit job that MacGyver is aware of, because this character Mo is uh, basically was a forger and a handwriting expert, right. um, but he was doing it to use it for illegal activities, and he right. was arrested. Um, and now he is a tattoo artist. Right, and according to the IMDb page, his name is Mo Nimitz, but I don't think we hear a last name in the episode. Right, but, right. Uh, the actor here, Charles Deercop, which is another sitcom I would totally watch, Deercop, <laughs> um, he played the killer Santa in Silent Night, Deadly Night, which is a classic schlock horror. Is that the one where just like that? Is that, is that the one where like the Santa's arm is coming out of the chimney yes. with an axe? Yeah. Um, and I think there's a couple of those, but I think he was only Santa in the first one. Um, and he also makes appearances in both Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and The Sting somewhere. So he's got some sort of uh, Paul Newman, Robert Redford connection. Yeah. So he uh, takes a look at the evidence and starts trying to see if there's any kind of connection between the handwriting on the forged inspection papers and the handwriting that's on the checks that have been sent to Cassanti. Yeah. Meanwhile, Andrew Lawton is giving a press conference and uh, uh, basically about his new development. And Lobo bursts in with a coffee cart um, and uh, starts like doing like a, like a stand-up bit. Yeah, he's like, hey, it's coffee time, it's coffee time. And then he runs around on top of the tables shouting at everybody. He's like, hey, what are you guys doing here in the dark? It's a beautiful day. And he opens up the curtains, and there's a giant billboard across the street yeah. that uh, he has graffiti artist Ed um, to look like <laughs> Lawton as a giant cat eating buildings that says, how do fat cats right. get fat? They eat homes. They eat people's houses. And it's like... When did he have time to do that? It's like, that must have taken you all day. Well, I know one thing for sure. He he waited for the sun to come up before he started it. Yeah, exactly. he doesn't care about doing this in broad daylight. Well, and plus it's on the side of a building. It's like the Batman logo in Dark Knight Rises, that the flaming gasoline logo. It's like, <laughs> when did you do that and why? You wasted so much time doing that. And, and how did There's you light bomb. it evenly from, from both sides so that it would yeah. still be on fire and long enough to show the whole bat symbol? Yeah. Yeah, was Is that it... after the bomb was set? Like, the, yeah, he was wasting a... the ticking clock? Yeah, exactly. There's a bomb that's going to go off very soon. Um, yeah. But, you but know, Greg... if, if you never put that logo on the bridge, you might not have had to suicide out over the ocean, you idiot. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, it's so weird to have a, a movie with a ticking clock that it has a three-month countdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so he can spend all that time recovering his spinal injury uh yeah it God, still seems movie. like um it's it i honestly when i watched the movie i thought it was a joke on the part of the screenwriter as like remaking the 1966 batman yeah sometimes you just can't get rid of a just, bomb yeah he's just got a bomb and he's running around with it like i gotta get rid of this thing <laughs> he run like it was like he's gonna throw it over but there's like baby ducks yeah and then there's nuns so um, since there is obviously a lot of press there, um, they decide to take this opportunity to interview uh, Lobo to get his take on what is clearly against Andrew Lawton's development. Yeah. The, uh, 
the uh, the the anchor there uh, is this. Uh, her character name is Cindy Clark, but uh, she's played by a woman named Tiu Leak. It's T I I U. So I'm assuming that's Tiu. Yeah. And Leak L E E K. Um, she's mostly credited as a news like broadcasting person, but I didn't. I couldn't okay. find anything that said that that's what she does for a living. Um, yeah. It just seemed like maybe that's a role that she's wrapped up in. But God, yeah. what a name! Like, I mean, that's a name you don't forget. Too leak, um, and it's like, yeah. and she's like, perfectly, like, she's just like you know, a very not average. She's very attractive, but it's like I don't know. Like, I, I picture like a more exotic looking woman, and she's just like, blonde hair, blue eye. Like, so it's like, oh, it's like oh, because of her name, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I had a, like a different person in mind, but uh, it's also possible that maybe her parents had a stroke when she was born, and they just couldn't write a real name on the birth certificate. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? T I I U is a real name. <laughs> yes. How many of them have you met? Uh, maximum two. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, MacGyver tunes in, I guess, conveniently, or, or Mo had this on the TV already, uh, and sees yeah. Lobo in front of the camera as he's getting ready to be interviewed. And at first, like, like, Lobo oh, just said, no. <laughs> yeah, at first Lobo just has, like, this really goofy look on his face. Like, yeah. like, oh, I'm on TV? Um, yeah. and he just basically gives his opinion that Lawton is aware that they're evicting people illegally, he's the bad guy, um... And just then, the police or security show up. So uh, Lobo's supposed to make a run for it, um, and he, but he gets away. But isn't okay. So MacGyver paid his bail at the beginning of this episode because right. he violated his parole by doing that, or his probation. I couldn't remember which one. The, yeah, her his probation. Yeah, um, by doing the graffiti at the beginning. So he, presumably, he has an upcoming court case already to deal with that graffiti. Right. But, and now he's violating his probation again. They they should have bumped up the the cost again yeah. when they arrest him at like towards the end of this episode, but they they don't because they don't arrest him apparently. Yeah, they just let him do the thing, even though the guy that he graffitied, whose building he graffitied on, isn't even the guy that it should have, like it's he's attacking a person who legally had no responsibility for what was going on. Correct. Yeah. Uh. So. Uh. Lawton, of course, is like claiming to the press that he's innocent. That this is just slander. Um, yeah. As MacGyver heads, like a uh, uh, Mo gives MacGyver all the details that he needs. This is all all the signatures and the handwriting on these inspection forms match the signatures and the handwriting on this check. So they're From all the written. Silent partner. I can tell you with absolute certainty that these are the, yeah. the silent partner is the person who did all these signatures. So. Uh, Lobo then gives MacGyver a call on his uh, cell phone, and uh, which is crazy that we're in like this time of like car phones and cell phones. Yeah. Um, and uh, he says Lobo says that he wants to turn himself in. That he he realizes yeah. now he's he's in he's in too deep. He he made a mistake, and so he asks MacGyver, "Why don't you meet me at my abandoned building and come alone?" <laughs> yeah. Because that worked out. I think out. I have something for you. You need to come down here. Which is the third time now in this episode that someone has said that. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, MacGyver arrives, but no sign of Lo- Lobo. I keep wanting to say Logo. Until he, yeah, he hears a, an argument and then he finds Lobo's corpse in a stairwell with a pipe over it. Next to Cassati. <laughs> it's like, like, who brought Cassati's yeah. body back here? 
I don't know why they. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't kill Lobo actually. Yeah. It, well, I mean, they're going to because now that they have MacGyver, because Stroud comes out with a gun. Yeah. And brings him but in. But it seems like this is another situation where you pretend like a hostage only draws MacGyver in if it's alive. Like like in uh, the episode where they they tricked MacGyver come into coming down by not killing Pete. Right. And it's like, no, if you killed him, I still would have shown up. Like I didn't I didn't know if he was alive or dead before I opened the door. It's like he's a he's a Schrodinger's cat situation. Um, I don't know until I come inside. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because they should have had Lobo like say MacGyver, I'm in here. Um, yeah. Rather than because MacGyver was suspicious that Lobo wasn't responding. Had Lobo said yeah. MacGyver, I'm in here, he would have come in without a problem, and they could have clocked him in the back of the head. Yeah. Um, so uh, they bring MacGyver into the same room with Lobo, and of course MacGyver now is fully aware of who the silent partner is, um, and and calls him out of the shadows dramatically. <laughs> yeah. So out steps Clinton Ferris. Um, of course. He was the only one who had access to all the inspection paperwork, who knew that the inspectors knew were... Knew who had quit the offices. Yeah. Um, and he had been Casanti's silent partner this whole time, making yeah. tons of money on this real estate deal. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they decide to leave MacGyver and uh, Lobo. Sorry, I keep... I, I have to stop myself every time to, from saying Logo. <laughs> and I have, that's why I always pause. If you're going to listen to the, you're, when you edit this, you're going to hear me going back every time I say Lobo. There's a pause because I'm trying to convince myself not to say it. I'm trying not to say Robo. <laughs> uh, they zip tie uh, both MacGyver's hands and their feet, which is smart because that's what you want to yeah. do. You, you want to make them as immobile as possible. The best way would have been to like hog tie them, but on their bellies. But you know, you, you, dramatically, oh, okay. that there's no. There's no sign of it. Try you can't, they can't escape that. They would just die. Yeah. Which, by the way, I, I was going to mention on the on the front page of Reddit the other day, there was a neat video clip. If you ever get zip tied against your will and you need to escape, this they this guy like filmed. He, he taught his daughter how to do this trick. But basically, if it's one of those plastic zip ties um, that you can put it as close to your feet as you can get it, take your shoelaces and untie them, and then tie one foot to the other foot shoelace. Okay. Um, through the inside of the zip tie, and then if you pedal your legs like you're in a bicycle back and forth, so that you're you're rubbing the shoelace against the zip tie, it'll get hot enough very quickly that it'll melt right through the plastic. Okay, good. So you can just slice through it that way. Nice. Why don't you just buy some decent handcuffs? Yeah. No. You see, nylon cord. I'm telling you, it's all about the nylon cord. Is that the way to do it? It's comfortable on your wrists. You can buy it by the yard. You know what I've found effective is just cut off the hands. They can't even open the door. <laughs> I, they can do nothing now. They can't even take their shoes off to try and open the door with their feet. It's perfect. And then you get a really interesting mural on your wall when you get back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You take, a, take one from every victim. <laughs> all I can picture now is like this really grotesque house with all these hands, but he's like hanging his car keys on the fingers and like hats and there's, on the... there's two police standing there like, yeah, this is definitely the work of the red herring. <laughs> I really, I really don't think so. <laughs> this is not his modus operandi at all. I'm pretty sure it's him. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for bringing it back. <laughs> oh man. 
that would be a fun like just a radio play podcast the red herring maybe maybe that's what we should work towards next yeah i think so a procedural thing with characters but it's it's just a superhero or supervillain called the red herring who always gets blamed for stuff he didn't do uh sorry so so macgyver now uh is looking for his escape plan and he shimmies over to a uh wall heating unit right which is just just a it's just a big electric coil that uh that heats up uh when you turn it on one of the few that actually works in the building probably yeah, like I would be definitely afraid of, of turning it on at all. Yeah, especially like when you're actually holding the heating implement of the of the machine. Like I think you pointed out earlier, the last time he flipped a light switch, it exploded in his face. Yeah. <laughs> and here he is bending around the the metal prongs of this heater. Yeah, he, he uh, grabs a coat hanger and like stretches out the coil so it's like straight out away from the heater. Yeah. And so as he turns it on, he then very delicately uh, backs up into it, and then, man, he can't see what he's doing either. I'd be so, like, freaked out, but I guess I'd be more freaked yeah. out by being blown up. But um, It's almost like in the Coltons when he dumps all the sulfuric acid on the ropes that are binding his hands. Yeah. It's like, that's it's behind like, his back. Like, that should have been way more dangerous. Uh, so, yeah, he's able to melt his uh, hand zip tie, which pops off with such force that it springs up into the air out of ha- off camera. And by the time MacGyver brings his hands around to make sure he didn't burn himself, uh, the zip tie comes back down. It's like it had some <laughs> serious air time while it was up there. I need to rewatch that moment to watch the little button pop up out of the shot. Uh, and then, uh, of course, he does his feet, and he helps Lobo just get his hands free and, like, leaves yeah. his feet to, to take care of it because he's got to get over to that bomb. Um, I, I don't know if we mentioned that there's a bomb in the room. <laughs> right. Um, They're not just zip tied. There's also a bomb in here. Yeah. And it, it just looks like the the smoke detector that didn't work earlier. Yeah. It's it's a it's like a big black hockey puck, um, and it's sitting on top of uh, several barrels of uh, nitrate fertilizer, uh, right. know, which is uh, we all know is very explosive. But it seems right. to me that. Um, MacGyver is so desperate to to to, to disable this bomb, but they were, he already knows that. As long as they can get the bomb away from the nitrate, it's not going to be a big deal. And they can, they could throw it in any number of apartments, or down the stairwell, yeah. or any like there's plenty of places to get rid of it. Um, yeah. But he tries to defuse it instead. And uh, while he's a plan that Lobo's not totally on board with. Yeah, uh, and while he's fiddling with the wires, like there's like seven minutes to to shut it down. He's fiddling with the wires, and it goes from seven minutes to one minute. Yeah, <laughs> and he just kind of goes, uh oh. <laughs> That reminds me of that Futurama bomb where they set the time on it, but you yeah. can't tell which way is up on the machine. It's yeah. like, oh, we really didn't give ourselves enough time on this. Yeah, it looks like it's set for 25 minutes, and she hits start, and it goes 15, 5, 6H minutes. <laughs> and yeah, that's when like, they turn what? it up. They turn it over? Yeah, it wasn't set for 25 minutes. It was set for 52 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> such a great joke it's so clever i love it um so macgyver looks out the window and they see that the bad guys are making a getaway in their car and uh but there's also one of those like uh shoots for like dumping garbage like as you're tearing down the building so it kind of goes out into a dumpster so he like rotates it in place and then drops the hockey puck bomb down in it and uh, it slides out right in front of the villain's car as they drive over it. 
and just yeah. blows up the engine block. Yeah, which is the exact same as the stunt in the original trailer for the MacGyver reboot that you were saying, wait a minute, what, what's up with this new MacGyver? Like, he, he won't use guns to kill people, but he's he throws explosives to totally demolish a Jeep, and then yeah. he does the exact same thing here. So apparently, yeah, yeah that is a MacGyver thing to do. Uh, it's just like, what? you, you could have killed these people. Like, really, yeah. it, had it hit the gas tank, they would all be dead. Yeah, and all four uh, of them are in this car. Yeah, that's a quadruple homicide. And, and it yeah. would be a homicide because they're not in danger. It's not self-defense. Right. If well, you... it is kind of self-defense because he's throwing a bomb away from himself that they set. That's true. So it's, it's manslaughter is what yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah. But, of course, all the, the bad guys are okay. They climb out of the car. But that's a problem for me because they all still have guns and they're, and they're okay. fine. And MacGyver is the one that's completely unarmed and still locked in this room conceivably. Yeah. Um, so all the bad guys have to do is go back into the building and shoot them. Because yeah. no, because no police has been called because MacGyver, when only calls the police when it suits him, or right. when he's trying to give other people advice. Yeah, but what? Okay, so the the plan was this bomb goes off, this fertilizer explodes and takes out like the whole building. Yeah, the whole building comes down. Wouldn't it leave a lot of evidence of an intentional demolishing of the building, though? Um. Yes. It would. I think it would have made more sense if they had already moved Diaz out and the plan was to demolish the building in the first place. So they just had the explosives in there because that was the plan for the building. Right, right, right. Because obviously when you're, when you're demolishing a building, you don't just put a bunch of bombs in one room. Yeah. Uh, you, you have to strategically place you know, on the crippling points of the building to bring it straight down. Yeah. So they should have been locking them near one of those like support structures. And then that's where they threw this bomb out of the building from. And that bomb was supposed to trigger everything else. So now yeah. it's still like dangerous for MacGyver and Lobo to get out, but there's nothing to trigger the explosion anymore. And, and, I, and, and I mean, I may be wrong, but I don't think they also use nitrate fertilizer in building yeah, demo. They definitely don't. <laughs> yeah. I think they have very specific charges to take out like support beams and stuff. Yeah. Uh, which is incredible. I mean, I love watching building demo footage. It's, it, yeah. it, 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 it isn't a science. It's an exact science because you need this building to come straight down. Yeah, um, or come collapse inward. Yeah. Um, uh, so we cut to commercial here, and I'm thinking, okay, well, they're going to have to make a run for it. or Because usually yeah, MacGyver... we're going to see this whole escape process. Yeah, because usually MacGyver has to at least knock out the bad guys. Um, yeah. Or or have the upper hand. He does not have the upper hand in this situation. Yeah. Um, but we just cut to a news conference being held where uh, Andrew Lawton is talking about he's putting his, his the whole building demolition on hold. It's not stopped. It is on a hold until he can design a new building that will include reasonably priced housing for all the residents who have been evicted, including Gloria right. Diaz. Yeah. So he wasn't the bad guy at all. He was a jerk, but he wasn't yeah, a bad guy. he was guy. a jerk. He didn't care about the fact that Kasani was abusing the people living in the building that he intended to buy. But technically speaking, he never really did anything wrong other than consenting to the treatment. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but then the, there's this really great moment <laughs> where, yeah. where the reporter says, and now 
Andrew Lawton has a very special question to ask Gloria Diaz. To, to ask Gloria Diaz. And I'm totally <laughs> expecting him to just get down on one knee because yeah. they just mentioned the fact that Gloria is a widow. And I'm, and I'm expecting him to say, like, Mrs. Diaz, will you do me the outrageous pleasure of becoming my wife? <laughs> and she, of course, would have said, as long as you pay for the moving company. Yep. I mean, it but was such a... actually... Yeah. It was such a weird way to phrase it. Yeah. I, I was thinking of um, uh, John Malkovich. He's like, I shall make ye me wife. And <laughs> <laughs> build a floor for you and your cursed kind. <laughs> uh but no, he just wants Gloria to be the first person to move into the new apartment building. Yeah. Uh, where she's going to live until then, I guess, with MacGyver? I don't know. Well, I don't know if she was ever actually going to live with MacGyver. I think she was just going to put her stuff there, and she was going to move in with Lobo. But where's Lobo living? I don't know. I, he moved out. I, I don't, oh. He wasn't living in this apartment. It was just her. Oh, okay. I thought he was living with her. No, he had his own place, and she was going to go stay with him. And MacGyver was just going to hold on to her stuff until they found a new place for her. I see. Plus, MacGyver has uh, has a, a scheme where he's going to burn down his apartment again, and he wants yeah. the money for all of her stuff. Uh, he is he's a wealthy man. Yeah. <laughs> There's a whole side series about MacGyver and his his arson. Yeah. Uh, but that's it. I mean, that's a uh, that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a it's a good episode. It, I mean, um, I felt like there was no uh, like I guess like they in the end they didn't need the attorneys at all because yeah like there there was MacGyver no MacGyver could have been stumbling onto this information just as easily yeah they there's I mean any excuse to put Kathleen Freeman in the episode is fine with me but yeah but uh, I mean I imagine they still have to pay the legal fees despite not ever actually going to court because uh, yeah their all their actionable claims were against Cassanti. Yeah. And so, unless they can put the claims on Ferris because he was the silent partner. Um, but I think with the murdering attempted. Uh, but they also never found any evidence that clearly implicated uh, Clinton. Like correct. They, they have some one person who says that all of these signatures are done by the same person. And you can have him write down more names and have a handwriting expert say these were all written by the same person. But I don't think that's conclusive enough. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to say. I don't know how much handwriting uh, forensics uh, plays into court cases. I know yeah. it's a process, and I know that you can use it in a trial and say, These, this is a handwriting expert. According to his testimony, he he, he alleges that this these signatures are the same. I know you can do that right. in court, but it's just like a polygraph. Like, you can Where use it. it can, it's, but it's not admissible as an actual evidence. It's yeah. just something you can use in testimony. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of a weird situation for the ending of this episode. Again, yeah. you always assume that the bad guys are going to jail. That, that's just, yeah. just what happens. Um, I like a little more of a solid button, but it's not bad. It's not a bad episode. It's just, a just like a loose end. This is a loose end is all. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's about it for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, you can find us on Twitter at Opening Gambit. You can find us at facebook.com slash Podcast or our website, phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. And if you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. Tune in next week. We're going to be covering Season 7, Episode 13, The Stringer. 
Yeah. The final episode? was supposed to be, yeah, it was supposed to be the series finale, and then I guess they just found an extra episode for the Mountain of Youth. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm glad they did, because we get another Dalton episode. Uh, also, it's important to note that this is our last episode of 1991. Oh, yeah, because these last two episodes are like three months later in 92. Yeah. yeah so we're going to be in 92. Yeah. Um, and then we finally get Pete back. Which, yeah. he's only in four episodes this season, and two of them he was playing King Arthur. <laughs> Although I guess he was Pete at the beginning and ends of both of those episodes. Yeah, so yeah, he was the button. He's, and he's Ar- been yeah, Pete Arthur four times. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll count Arthur as an alternative Pete. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think that's it. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you.